Welcome to Building Great Sales Teams, a show dedicated to making sales teams tick, tick, boom. Great sales teams are not recruited, they are built block by block. Let's get to work. All right, guys, I got Jerry Gherkin with us today. He is a uh, a former Marine. He's been in the automotive industry for 25 years now. He's trained hundreds of salespeople. He's also still leading, training, managing, and he's a top 10 or top uh, 5% performer in the automotive industry. Um, What's awesome about Jerry is he's also harnessed this ability and is coaching now. And he's got uh, a six-figure salesperson is it a course or you just have a, a coaching program? Uh, both. Both. Awesome, brother. Yep. Well, um, the first thing I always like to do is kind of just learn a little bit about our guests and kind of go into your background. Um, you know, so what, just to kick it off, what uh, inspired you to join the Marines? Uh, ironically, the movie Top Gun. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, I, uh, I, w- I went to college. I, I was a, I've been a wrestler for a lot of years and I got a scholarship to wrestle at, at Ohio University. But I graduated high school when I was 17, uh, made a USA wrestling team, traveled around Central America for 46 days. And then when I got back, I went to OU. Mm-hmm. Um, at a very young age, physically, I could manage the training, but the uh, mental aspect wasn't there yet. So I dropped out after one semester and went back home. And my dad was a tool and die engineer. And I started working with him and about cut my thumb off cutting steel. Mm-hmm. And I realized I, I don't want to work in the factory. So I was, went with my girlfriend to uh, the original Top Gun movie. I know the second one just recently came yeah. out, but the original Top Gun movie. And I was watching Tom Cruise on the uh, crotch rocket racing the F-15. And I was like, man, I, I, I could see myself doing that. But I don't want to be in the Navy because I don't like their uniforms. So I went in the Marine Corps. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. Like, isn't he in the Navy? So, yeah. no, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I saw the most recent one. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, I've seen it. That was pretty pretty badass. What I love is they kept the cheesiness of the 90s movies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, and yeah, I know, was, I think it was definitely made. need to watch the first one to appreciate the second exactly. one. Much. Yeah. Exactly. I was worried that they were going to Hollywoodize it and it was going to be like directed by Michael Bay or something like that and be this just yeah. insane crazy thing but no it was it, it was, was intense though you know the the cinematography was pretty intense yeah it was i was i was very impressed with it and it, and it is it's taking movies back to when they were just an out of reality enough you know what i'm saying to uh, for you to really enjoy the entertainment aspect of it now it's like some of these movies come out and you're like that could really happen you know it's like yeah right yeah a little too sure. close to home but yeah, that's what prompted me to uh, to go in the in the Marines, mm-hmm. and I did four four years in the Marine Corps. Um, I did a tour in uh, Desert Storm, <clears throat> and when I got back out, when I got out, I went to uh, to college to wrestle. At that time, gotcha. Well, I appreciate you, brother. You have your your bachelor's in in education too, sports medicine and education. I actually went uh, to college. I, my goal was to be uh, the athletic trainer for the Cleveland Indians. Oh, wow. When I initially went into college, but Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks after I got out of the Marine Corps, uh, I met my wife. And she's from where we live now in Finley, Ohio. And uh, I started doing some research on um, 
the divorce rate when you're a, a, an athletic trainer for a, a sports team and it was like high 80 percent oh i bet all that and traveling so then I, I yeah made the transition into education still kept the uh, sportsman degree and um, got out of uh, college, had both those degrees, you know, as an all-American wrestler, former military, mm-hmm. thought I'd get scooped up by some, by a high school. I could wear a lot of hats, Yeah, but I uh, had seven interviews, didn't get a job. I uh, was selling suits at JC Penney's, mm-hmm. um, part-time, uh, part selling suits, JC Penney's part-time. And then I was volunteer coaching wrestling at a local high school and uh, substitute teaching whenever they would call. But you know, I was married at the time and we had our first baby and, you know, needed to make money. It's time so to bring home the bacon. I was, yeah. <laughs> so a couple of boys that I was coaching, dad was a general manager at a car dealership. And uh, I would just go in there and bullshit with them and just hang out. And I'd watch these salespeople come in and they're, I was like, man, this is like shooting fish in a barrel. This is easy. Yeah. And I told, told him, I said, Hey, you know, I need a job. I need a real job. You know, I got all this little money here, little money there, but it just goes away. You know, it's just very little. He says, you can sell cars. I know you can, but your your gift is to be a teacher. And on my vision board back here, that's my life where it's teacher. Okay. And uh, he says, you got to promise me you're going to go back into teaching. Well, I crossed my fingers and put my hand behind my back. And I said, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I never went back into teaching formalized teaching, but I, I consider myself a teacher anyway, because that's what I do. Absolutely. Now that's the beautiful thing about it is you went from doing the work to teaching the work, you know what I'm saying? And still being able to do the work at the same time. So that's awesome. Tell me about your vision board. I, you know, I can see that behind you and for our uh, listeners on YouTube, they're going to be able to see that as well. How is that structured? Cause you said uh, that's your, your, your life word. So you, so you, what, go ahead. Sorry. What, what, yeah. What, so what, how this came about was uh, about three years ago, I started um, reading a lot of books. Mm-hmm. And uh, prior to that, I, I, I didn't read many at all. I, I probably maybe read total of three in my whole life. You know, in college, I'd skim through the cliff notes and stuff like that just to get the content and then move forward. But I started reading a lot of books and, and the, the nuggets that I would take from the books, you know, two or three nuggets, I would just plaster them up on, on my vision board. So um, that's just like an affirmation. And then on the other side, the other wall, I have a bunch of I am statements on my wall. Very cool. And it's just uh, to keep, keep it front mind for me. But uh, also the, the thing that I didn't see happening is when my clients come into my office is they'll sit here and read stuff on my vision board and ask questions and it opens up dialogue and conversation. It gives me an opportunity to witness to them Mm-hmm. Um, in different ways. So I, I didn't see that one coming, but it's been a neat evolution. That's beautiful. And that's, that's awesome. And that is uh, one of the most pure forms of building rapport for sure with your customers. So I love that. So um, you are, are you, you, you are in apex, right? I mean, we've been connected yeah. for a while and I'm assuming it's yeah. because of apex. Yep. Um, it, it, it's always so tough on there because, you know, I'll probably get a hundred plus friend requests a week. I'm sure just like you get, and um, I have my VAs going through it now because it's just, it's too much, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, but, but I want to say you and I connected over a year ago uh, yeah. because of uh, Apex and, you know, you talked about those I am statements and th- those are, those are really powerful. Uh, pr- the first million dollar mastermind that I went to, uh, Ryan Steumann talked about those I am statements that he does every morning, right? 
And uh, since then, I have five of them. And I do those uh, every morning. And when I don't do them, when I wake up late or, you know, forget or whatever the case is, because they have become a really good habit, but every now and then I miss them, there's something's off about my day. And it's a subconscious thing, you know. And so when I realize I missed them, then I stop what I'm doing. I find a quiet place and I go through them real quick. And then I'm right back on track, you know. So that that works really well for me, too. I, I think it's awesome that you do that. So we have them in, in our uh, in our bathroom. My wife put put I am statements all around the, the bathroom mirror. Mm-hmm. So then when I'm when I get out of the shower, I'm getting ready. You know, then I'm 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 actually and it's important for the listeners to know um, to say these things out loud because mm-hmm. um, the not just to think it because once you speak it, then your ears it's reinforced. You know, yeah. it's a different sense that's picking up on it, mm-hmm. um, and then it and it does become a part of who you are 100 percent. positive affirmations yeah yeah i love that and you know i used to think of course in my 20s i used to think all this stuff was cheesy you know what i mean and right it didn't work and it was just yep. you know a way to to sell something you know what i mean and uh as i got into my 30s i realized how incredibly important it was how, how that mindset will set you free for sure so the reason that we are doing this this podcast today is because um, I can't remember what the context was, but you had uh, shared your that you had this player profile, and you you offered to send it over to me, and I'm like, sure, yeah, I'm I'm always willing to learn. I have by no means have this figured out completely, right? And so you sent it to me, and I'm walking through it, and I'm like, this is freaking badass, you know? And so what I'd like to do is kind of have you walk us through this a little bit. And um, so you, the first thing you have in it is your welcome letter. I'm going to try to do the best I can audibly. And then if it's okay with you, I can include this in the, in, in the show notes. Sure. Okay, yeah. great. And, th- and this is a great thing to, um, obviously, if anybody's interested in coaching, this is kind of, you know, kind of how they're going to understand how you're going to help them, right? And so um, the first piece is the welcome letter and everything. And it's walking you through each each piece of this player fro- profile, which is the dream discovery, the player profile, and then the centers of influence. And so um, walk us through the dream discovery. What is, you know, you don't necessarily have to walk us through all the questions and everything, but what, what is the goal here for you as a leader when they're filling this out? So what you want to do is you, everybody's different. Everybody's motivated differently. Um, and you can't, as a manager or as a leader, you can't assume that you can use a cookie cutter for everybody because everybody's different. You know, some people are, are inspired or motivated by time off. Some people are motivated by gifts, words of affirmation. Going through this process, then you're going to identify um, what your um, part of this part of your team, that you're going to be able to um, help them and what the dream is, the dream discovery is, if you could dream a dream and you would not fail, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times what happens is we have these limiting beliefs uh, where uh, that's just a, that's just a way out there. But if you, you could dream a dream and you could not fail, what would that dream be? And then share that because being former military, I understand the value of leadership. And I, I knew that as a young kid too, but, but being in the military, it was, it was, it was uh, framed differently. Mm-hmm. So when, when you have a leader and they're a true leader, not a boss, then you'll go to war for that person. So if, if I'm, if I'm 
leading a team and they know that I truly care about them and I want to see them succeed and reach that dream that they could dream and they aren't going to fail, mm -hmm. then they're going to work harder for me and support me not only in the job, but also in the community. Yeah. Because they're going to, they're not going to talk trash about me in the community because they respect and they understand that I'm, I'm working right along with them to accomplish what they want to do. Yeah, and a lot of companies don't do this, you know, and uh, the, the first time, the reason that I have uh, the onboarding form that I told you about earlier, where uh, I asked them what their interest, interests are and like if they had $1,000 and they had to spend it on themselves, what would they spend it on? Questions like that. Uh, I actually heard Jesse Lee Ward talk at the $20, $20 million mastermind. And uh, she talked about that onboarding form that she uses, right? And she, and she had the same sentiment, you know, to where it's like, if if I try and manage, you know, the this sales team, this staff, whoever it may be as a whole, you know, I'm going to leave out certain people, you know what I'm saying? Because they're not going to be motivated by what I'm offering or the bonus or the incentive, whatever the case is. Versus if I show a genuine interest in them and a genuine care about them, and I get them something that's special to them, you know what I'm saying? That's going to create that connection. And like you said, they're, they're not going to be able to go out into the marketplace and be upset about anything because they know that you genuinely have their best interest in mind. So that's the dream discovery piece. And, it, and it's very simple, so I'll just walk through it. You know, on, the, on this page, it basically asks them, what are your most important goals at this point in your life? What are the outcomes you want these goals to produce? And then, like you were alluding to, what one dream would you dare to dream if you knew you could not fail? Which I think is a very powerful, powerful question. And I, uh, I am definitely going to use this with my salespeople and kind of, I'm very interested in what, what they're going to say, you know? And so, um, it's, it's really, it's really good to do. I mean, I've used this with other teams that I've coached uh -huh. and, and, the, and the veterans, um, don't necessarily like it as much. Uh, because they're already maybe there for five years or whatever their term was, but yeah. then, but the, but the newbies definitely, it'd be something like you said for the onboarding, mm -hmm. for sure, because they're fresh and new and they're eager and they're energetic and they want to see what's you know, and they just assume that it's part of the process, which mm -hmm. it is because you you truly you use the word genuinely, mm -hmm. you genuinely care, you know, and it, and it goes back to that cliche or, or that old saying, if we help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yeah, you know, that, exactly. that's what this is, but, but it's, it's sincere. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have an agenda. You know, I truly want to know. Yeah. And it, it, it is hard in the world that we're in now to, to believe that. But if you are making investments like this consistently in your people, then that, that that's the end game. You know, everything can be solved with consistency, right? And when you look at the most successful people in the world, they're incredibly consistent with their schedule, their time, what they invest into. And if you can sit consistently. This up a little bit. Can see this up here. There you go. Consistency is key. <laughs> <laughs> so Jerry was pointing to his dream board. He's got consistency is key back there. And um, if you consistently invest in someone, they're going to feel that whether they, it registers or not in their, their conscious in their subconscious, they're going to feel that and they're going to, they're going to feel, you know, for lack of a better term, they're going to feel safe. You know what I'm saying? To come to you with their issues or to basically follow your lead, you know, you know, you referenced Jesse Lee Ward a, mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. And one of the things that I learned from her, um, 
I follow like three, three different laws, the law of diminishing intent, mm -hmm. the law of reciprocity. And the one that I picked up from her was the law of familiarity. And when you're, when you're leading a sales team or, or you're running a business, um, it's, it's easy to become complacent in your training. And um, you do the same talk off all the time. But what she was referring to with the law of familiarity is you have to switch it up. You need mm -hmm. to switch it up because it keeps it fresh and engaging for your team. Because mm -hmm. if you're doing the same talk off all the time, they're eventually going to tune you out because it's like they've heard this over and over and over again. They already know what you're going to say. I, there was a time, it's been many years ago, I had a used car manager that uh, would say the, say the same thing every time, Monday, Thursday, Saturday meeting, every time without fail. And one time he was getting ready to do it. And I said, Bob, wait a second. And I stood up and I said it verbatim, exactly what he would say. And everybody laughed, but that's the law of familiarity. So, you know, changing it up. And then that's where that genuineness comes from too, because you may read in, in one of their player profiles, one of your team members, something about you know, something that triggers. And so maybe in your sales, sales team meeting, you can, uh, you can bring that, that up. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Just like you do with a, a prospect when you're qualifying sure. them, it's basically a player profile. And then when you present them the product, you know, or the vehicle that you want to sell to them, you're presenting it to them for their life. You know what I'm saying? If they have kids, right. If they have a, a, a pet, if they do a lot of, you know, uh, toting the kids around to different activities in schools or school and sports activities and stuff like that, you're talking about the vehicle in those terms. Not if, you know, if they're a uh, single, you know, a single guy, you know, you're talking about the vehicle in those terms, you know. And so uh, why are, we, you know, as sales managers, why would we not do the same thing with our with our people? Because that, again, creates that genuine connection. So let's go into the the player profile here. And so this walks through, you've, you've got four boxes here and it, it asks several questions in each box. The first box is educational background. The second box is personal favorites. The third box is family and the fourth box is fun facts. So I feel like this is more less about the dream and more about, okay, who are you as a person? What are you into? Where you come from? Who are the people that you care about? You know, and then, and then what makes you interesting, basically? Yeah, so when, when you're, uh, if you have a prospect, let's just use that as an example, you, you want to build that, what, know, like, and trust, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you do that? By fact-finding and finding out information, by building rapport through conversation. And then once you know that information, then you can utilize that information through the dialogue that you have with them that's going to make them feel like not just that they like me, but they are like me. Okay. They are like me mm -hmm. or I am like them. There's a little shift there. Yeah. Okay. So by, by doing that, then, then they feel like they really know, like, and trust you because you feel, they feel like they're like you. Mm -hmm. So by doing this exercise and, and having this information, and here's the, here's the, the struggle. Once you get this information, this content from your team members, you have to revisit it. Right. You, you can't put it in a binder and put it in the drawer. You need to revisit it mm -hmm. because that's how you're going to create the striations in the relationship and the strength in the team. Absolutely. Now you can gather all this information, stick it in the drawer, and it, it's not going to do any good. Don't even use it. It's a waste of time. But so, if you use it, 
you're going to create a solid team. So do you have a, a cadence for when you kind of incorporate this into your sales trainer, you incorporate it into, you know, like maybe they get the top salesperson of the month and you want to reward them somehow you pull this out or is it more something you use in your meetings? How are you, how are you utilizing this? So it's, it's a, it's a prep before the meetings, before okay. meetings. Um, and then I, I mean, I have other managers that'll, that'll do that kind of stuff, but it's more of a, as you continue to revisit the content, it becomes committed to memory. Okay. And then for example, let, let, let's say I got a, somebody put in there, they love the Cleveland Browns mm-hmm. and I got a, a advertising company that comes in and they got Browns tickets. Nice. Oh yeah, that's right. Johnny likes the Browns. So they gave me two Browns tickets. So as just a, something like you talked about giftology, mm-hmm. you know, giftology, here you go. And there's no strings attached. Just, Hey, you know what? Take, take your uh, wife or take somebody to the Browns game. Cause yeah. I know you love the Browns. Do you know how much that's going to set them off? It's back. They're going to be like, Holy smokes. He remembered that I like the Browns, mm-hmm. but you're being intentional about what you're doing. So you need to, you as a manager as needs to revisit this information, this content fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when to utilize it, that's your discretion. I don't really have any kind of a set protocol that this right. is when it's going to it just becomes part of, of who I am with my team so that I know what they are and I know what motivates them because mm-hmm. I can't motivate people. I can inspire you. I can coach you. I can teach you. I can educate you, but you got to motivate yourself. I love that. We're definitely going to use that in one of our TikToks or reels because <laughs> that's, that's, that's very, very true. You know, too, too many times uh, salespeople watch, watch a video or something like that. And it wears off faster than the video is long. You know what I mean? Because it's just, it's, it's so temporary. You've got to motivate yourself 100%. So you go through that player profile, and that's where you get the information, right? And then, so you've got their dream. You've got the information about them. And then the next piece of it is centers of influence. And I'm just going to read off a few of the things on this right here. What are three individuals to date that have made the greatest positive impact on your life, which I, this is probably the difference maker for me is this last one, right? Because now not only are you finding out what they want, who they are, but you're, you're finding out how they are influenced, you know, and who their heroes are, right? And so, you know, for me, I've, I've had a pretty big organization before, you know, and so this could kind of tell me where to put them in the organization, depending on the type of leader that is at the helm. And so this is just a, a really cool piece. And some of the examples are father, mother, coach, teacher, brother, sister, spouse, friend, etc. Be sure to include names. And then under that and under each box, you have what are five key char- characteristics you admire most in each individual listed above. So what, what I love about this, too, is, you know, you're finding out why they, they, those people influence them. But I have to believe they fill this out, and then they're, like, in a emotional state after they fill it out. Because, 100%. like, if you put your father down there or something like that, or you put your mother or you put your brother, you're making a phone call after you're done with your onboarding to them. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're reflecting. You're forced to reflect on why. Mm-hmm. 
and, and that's where the emotion comes in. Mm-hmm. If, and, if you truly, if you truly do the, do yeah. the work. And so we get, we, we get so stuck in reactive state of mind, taking what life gives us and everything. We don't take the time to stop and appreciate these amazing people in our life. You know what I mean? So you've, just in onboarding, you've done something for them that they may not even realize that's incredibly self subconscious that they, this may create a habit to where they start having this gratitude on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, you know, because, because gratitude is a huge piece and that. And that's what this worksheet does. It, it creates gratitude 15 times when you describe the characteristics of these people that influence you, you know, as long as you're doing it genuinely, like you said, you're doing the work. Because all of us could put some celebrities on there and BS words and stuff and put what you think that, that they, what they think you want to hear, you know. But you, so how do you, I guess, when you're reflecting on this or you're revisiting it, like you said, what is the, the purpose of the sheet? And I've alluded to a lot of that, right? But also, uh, and then I guess, what is the difference it makes in your management and training style? So it, it speaks a little bit to core values, and we know a lot about core okay. values in the organization that we're, we're talking about or that we're involved with <clears throat> in Apex. So once you identify these things and then the characteristics, it speaks to their core values, and then you find out right away, um, if you haven't already, whether or not they're going to align with your core values in your company. And as we know, if, if they're not in alignment, then they're probably not going to make it long in your company. So that, that's the biggest takeaway for this um, is to find out who they are as a human being based on what their, their uh, answers are mm-hmm. and what their non-negotiables are. And then also it tells you a little bit about them as a human being that, that can help you as a manager, as a leader, um, guide and direct them because you know what kind of maybe buttons to push or which direction to go um, in, the, in the conversations, how much inflection, what you can use. Um, if you can be real direct or if you have to use what I call the sandwich technique, which is really popular now because mm-hmm. nobody likes criticism. So we right. compliment, redirect, compliment. You never don't want to say criticize. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was growing up, my, if my coach got in my face and screamed and told me I couldn't do something, I was going to prove him wrong. Nowadays, kids will just uh, buckle. Yeah. yeah. They'll, okay. I guess I'm not good at this. So I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. But it, it definitely helps you uh, identify um, who they are as a human being and what and what makes them tick in a mm-hmm. way and, and uh, the, the values that they see. Um, because when they write those five down, that tells you what they, they look for in mm-hmm. a leader. Awesome. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that answer. And I love that answer because, you know, I have been trying to find ways to figure out if new salespeople coming on align with our core values, right? And uh, so currently we're using wise hire, we're doing disc profiles, you know, so that kind of gives you some indication, you know, where their values are at, but it's, you know, those, those tests are always tough. You know, I, I, I take them with a grain of salt because not everybody is a hundred percent honest. And I mean, I get it. Like the disc profile really hammers the same question eight different ways. So it'll find out one way or the other, where you lean, you know, law of averages kind of thing. Um, but what I like about this is it, it, re- it really does engage their positive memories and affirmations. And so I feel like they're going to be more honest with this than with like a disc profile or something like that. 
versus this just seems fun. I get to talk about the people that influence me the most. You know what I'm saying? And you're 100% right. What are the five key characteristics? You're probably going to see, you know, at least if you're, you're probably going to see at least one of them in all five or all 15, bo- or all, one of them in all three rows, right? And so um, I love this worksheet. When I saw it, I was like, I've got to get Jerry on the podcast and, and let's talk about sales and sales management and all that good stuff because this is a, a powerful, powerful worksheet. So you're, you're doing things like this with your team, with your leaders, and um, you're investing a lot in them, right? And uh, door-to-door and car sales have always been very interesting mediums of sales for me because they're naturally high turnover because of the nature of the work, right? It's something that you just can't get around, right? In terms of, you know, an office job or something like that, door-to-door and car sales are a lot more high turnover. And and in terms of sales jobs in general, right? And so you're making all these investments in people, and you know them, you know what I mean? Sometimes better than they know yourself because you're objective with your your, um, evaluation of them, and you're using things that they, they gave you, right? And so l- let me ask you, how do you, how do you handle as a, as a leader in the company losing people? You know what I'm saying? And it's like you make all this investment and they leave for like $50 more a car or something like that. You know what I mean? And I'm, I, I don't know the car industry that well, but I know a little bit, right? Um, but in my case, it was like they would leave for $20 more in commission for a TV sale. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you've poured into them, you know, you've educated them on core values, you've educated them on operating with integrity, you've uh, done the dinners and the gifts and, you know, made them feel special. How do you handle it when, like, a a couple of people turn over or, you know, that that constant turnover, how do you handle that? So you left them, you left them better than they started. You know, that's the way I I look at it, you know, you, you did invest genuinely your time, your energy, your effort, um, and your wisdom into making them a better human being. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that's all I'm after. You know, if they if they see the grass is greener on the other side, you know, go check it out. You know what? As long as they didn't burn a bridge, if they want to come back, which most of the time they do, mm-hmm. um, and they realize that it wasn't that beautiful thing, then they come back because because the culture that they're involved in is a great culture. It's something that they look forward to coming into doing this. You know, they look forward to the camaraderie that they have with the other team members. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they decide to leave, okay. You know, but one other thing I want to talk about is you hire slow okay. and you fire fast. Yeah. Hire slow, fire fast. You're, you were talking about people just deciding to go to somewhere else for more money. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you know what? More power to you. Next man up. Let's go. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's a great culture because you've been intentional about that culture. So if our listeners get anything from this show, I want it to be that, hey, you're intentional about building your culture the right way from the get-go because you're investing this time in this player profile. This is not something that takes five minutes to fill out. I mean, it's probably a good 15, 20, 30 minutes, depending on how detailed they are. And so, uh, and then, you know, you're revisiting it, you know, every so often and you're in, investing so much in it. So great culture takes intention, right? 
and then and then yeah, you're absolutely right. My my turnover now is the lowest it's ever been because we're hiring so incredibly slow, <laughs> and it's it, it's uncomfortable for me. Over the past six months, we've been doing this, uh, but the people we have now, even at a entry level sales position, they've been with us for two and three months now. You know what I'm saying? And they've been through the ups and downs, but they but they love the culture and the company. You know. And they don't want to. They they don't want to leave that for anything other than the most amazing opportunity ever, right? And so, um, and I'm all about growth too. You know, mm-hmm. personal growth and development is, is one of my core values. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so if if somebody comes to me and they say, "Hey, you know what? I got a great opportunity." Congratulations. I'm I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not I don't have resentment toward them because right. I've invested all this into them. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy for them because they're bettering themselves. Uh, in their eyes anyway. And, mm-hmm. and if, if it doesn't work out and, and I'm, again, I'm, I'm still open to open mentoring door. them if they, yeah, if yeah. they, if they go into this other thing and they want to communicate back with me and say, Hey, this is going on. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Just give me a call. So one of the things I used to say when I w- when I used to do opportunity meetings was uh, this may be a, a stepping stone for you and that's okay. You, everybody in here has got a dream, you know, and this may just be one of those steps to that dream. I love being a step in the dream as a company. I love that because you guys come back to me a year later or two years later and talk about how what you learned here fueled that dream. You know what I'm saying? Or you use something, you know, a sales process or overcoming an objection or you, you know, use a system that you learned here to build that dream. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's for somebody else, for yourself, it, 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 it doesn't really matter. We can be a stepping stone. We're okay with that, you know? And because... You know, because we, we we were we were hiring seventy to eighty people a month. You know what I mean, and we had a headcount of a hundred. So you do the math on the turnover there. You know, right. yeah. and so we just made it okay. You know, and I, and I did. I had several people that left, started their own in the same industry, and then came back. And I partnered with them later. You know what I'm saying? And I still have relationships with them today. You know, and uh, when you live that way which I get it, it's passive, you know, some people like NDAs and suing people and all that stuff, and I'm like, that is just such a waste of time, you know, and, and a waste of energy that I need to be putting into my people, not trying to get something out of somebody that learned something at my company and is using it at another one now. It's just exhausting, you know. Yeah, I had a uh, an HVAC um, owner that I was, I was training their sales team, and uh, <clears throat> he asked me, he said, how do I, how do I keep these people? Because, you know, they learn and then they go, they go buy their own van and now they're out, you know, doing all this stuff. And one of the things that I suggested, um, and it's, and it's maybe not the best way, but it, it does keep some retention, mm-hmm. um, is, is that for every, um, job they go on, you add an additional 50 bucks or a hundred bucks to the, to the price. Mm-hmm. And then when they complete that, that goes in their, their holding account. Mm-hmm. And then every year, usually around Christmas time, you can, you can tie it toward when um, there's a average of the exit strategy that people are exiting around this time of the year, typically, yeah. whatever Use it is. Data. In that company. Use your debt. Yeah. 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 So you can target around that time and that's when you're going to pay that out. But the whole thing is, is they have to still be employed there at that time to get that payout. 
Right. So that's one way to, to keep, keep people. Um, but I, I think the culture is the biggest thing because a lot of people, you know, when they do leave, they feel bad because they, they're, they're almost reluctant to tell you because they feel bad because you have given so much. Yeah. And that's that law of reciprocity. You know, you yeah. give, give, give and expect nothing in return, but eventually it comes back to you. hundred percent. And, uh, so what I always tell my clients is, you know, in, in this, um, you know, I, I, I never want to plagiarize. So I always reference the people that I learn things from. And uh, this I learned from uh, Ed Milet. And, you know, when he talks about, you know, people leaving your company all the time, well, it's because your, your dream, your personal dream isn't big enough. Because if your dream was big enough, it could fit their dream inside of it. You know what I'm saying? And so sure. that... That that goes that goes along with so much, and it it makes a lot of sense. And so, whenever I realize I have this high turnover and all this volume coming through with people and everything, I started building out my opportunity structure a little higher, to where they can get to places like regional, VP, and then eventually partner. Right, and and you can you can do all that a million different ways. You know, it doesn't have to be a partner in the principal company. It can be a partnership in this location. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I had a, a, a guy that um, came out to the RBO mastermind, and he does, um, what was it, plumbing, right? And he does commercial and residential plumbing, and uh, he's very good at what he does, been with the company for a long time, and he recognized that there was an underserviced market in the town next to him. And uh, he went to the owner and, and said, hey, we should open up in this town over here, there's, a, there's an underserved market here. They don't have a home plumbing company that can service these, these customers or whatever. And the owner was a very things are the way they are, you know what I mean, type of owner. We don't want to change things. We're doing well with this. And, and so I said, okay, go back to him and ask him to franchise, right? So give him that opportunity to basically have you go out and do it because you know the business inside and out. You've been kind of a right-hand man. Give him that opportunity to go out and franchise. That way you can absolve yourself of the law of reciprocity. <laughs> you know, you're giving yeah. him the opportunity to uh, invest in you. Uh, but also you're, you know, you're obviously going to have to make an investment too, right? But it's under the same name. You know what I mean? And so he went back and did that. And so he's opening up that that franchise piece in a couple months now. You know, and he's cool. like a 70% partner the yeah. uh, original owner's 30%. It's a really good deal that he put together. And uh, so it, it, it can come from the other end, too, you know, if you, uh, if you negotiate it the right way, right? Fantastic. So we're going to get deep a little bit here. This is always the last question I ask. And I kind of, you know, I usually just bring this on people, you know, but some people listen to my podcast, so they know it's coming, you know. So I wanted to prep you a little bit for because I know you have a damn good answer. <laughs> And so um, my question is, what does legacy mean to you? And what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? Yeah, I, I, uh, on my podcast, I ask, what's the best piece of advice you ever received? And so it, it's very similar. And uh -huh. how do you want to be remembered, which is the legacy part of it? Nice. So, yeah. So those are the two closing questions that I always ask. But uh, what's legacy mean to me? Um, <clears throat> it's what kind of an impact I can leave for the next three generations. Because let's face it, you know, there aren't too many people that 
go down in history. Hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of years. Yeah. You know, so what kind of an impact I can I can leave on the next three generations? And that's not necessarily monetary. It's more about character because your character, wherever you go, there you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter how what kind of clothes you're wearing, you know, how much money you got in the bank, what kind of house you live in, all that kind of stuff. It's wherever you go, there you are, your character. So <clears throat> the the kind of an impact that I can leave on the, those three generations moving forward is, is what um, legacy means to me. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, if I ask you who the greatest sales salesman in the world was ever, you know, some people might say Zig Ziglar, because a lot of people know who Zig Ziglar is, right? Mm-hmm. He's got all these different books. You may rattle off a few other things, other people. <clears throat> But the greatest salesperson, in my opinion, that ever walked the earth is Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. Servanthood's mentality, always humble and kind. You know, stern when he needed to be, mm-hmm. but it was always backed up on scripture. And he sold the ultimate intangible, eternal life. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's what I, how I want to be remembered or my legacy is, is always humble and kind and have a servant's mentality. That's beautiful, brother. That's beautiful. So if somebody's interested in your coaching or just wants to reach out to you or just wants to follow you like I did and get some amazing value, right? Um, how do they do that? Facebook is the easiest way. Um, and then once we start dialogue through a DM or something on Facebook, then I can redirect to other other things i do have a private um six-figure salesperson training training group Mm -hmm. i have a i have one that um is closed that you need to be invited or accepted into right and then i also have one that's a private um one-on-one type of coaching Mm -hmm. but facebook is going to be the best route and then uh you connect with me also by listening to my podcast the jerry gherkin show which uh is is pretty fun i've got 108 episodes recorded all kinds of guests from all over a lot of apex people, um, nice. but also professional athletes, best-selling authors. And, uh, but one other way I want to touch about this legacy, one mm-hmm. other way that you can, for the listeners that you can leave a legacy is to write a book. 100%. Yeah. 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 Tell your story. Um, and cause you can say imposter syndrome, who's going to want to read my story. You don't know. Yeah. And, and it may touch thousands of people's like, the power of one more is touching tens of thousands of people, mm-hmm. you know, or it may touch a couple people, but you know, you, you owe it to society to tell your story. And if you don't, then I'd, I'd, I'd feel regret. Absolutely. And I, and I want to capitalize on that selfishly here. <laughs> um, we, we had a, a, an RBO mastermind meetup uh, a couple of about five months ago. And uh, there was this uh, there was this guy Josh Payne. I don't know if you follow him or seen his stuff yet, but he's got some amazing content. So absolutely follow him. Um, but uh, you know, right away after having a conversation with him, I was like, this dude is incredibly smart, incredibly versed in all facets of business. You know, and um, would make an amazing mentor to anybody, right? And, and, and it's crazy because he's a fairly young dude, but he has all this amazing experience. He's one of those guys that started in high school, right, you know, and started building businesses in, in what should have been college, right? And so um, 
I recognized that he had this gift. And uh, we're, we're in this breakout session. And he keeps, you know, he's like, I know that we're supposed to put our message out there and share it on social media. My problem is I feel like I'm being boastful. I don't want to be bragging and stuff like that on social media, you know. And so I told him, I was like, one, every time that you stop yourself from turning that phone around and sharing a message with people on social media, even if it's just one person, how selfish are you to not share that message with them? They need that message. You know what I'm saying? You know, how many people aren't affected every time you don't don't turn that phone around and share your message? So, you know, that caused some conviction in him. And, and, it, and it's very true. Whether it's a book, it's a podcast, it's a social media post. Like, you owe it to those people that need to hear that message in that moment that it's going to... It doesn't have to necessarily change their life. What if it just makes their day better? What if you knew that every time you wrote a sentence in a book or posted on social media or did a podcast like this, it made someone's day better. And that that's all it was. Wouldn't you do it? You yeah. know, every single time? You know, Grant Cardone wrote in his uh, 100 Ways to Get and Stuck, Stay Motivated book, <clears throat> and I have it up on my vision board. It's our ethical duty to succeed. And it's I'll spin it for this guy. It's your ethical duty to share with the audience. I don't, I don't know what, who, who the audience is. There's 7 billion people in the world. I don't know. I mean, I have an idea about my, my age and my dynamic mm-hmm. as far as the audience and stuff goes, mm-hmm. but I mean, I get DMS or I get messages from people that I have, I've never met. I don't know. You know, yeah. I bumped into a guy at the gym the other day and I saw that he had a Marine Corps shirt on and I've seen him in the gym before. And I walked up to him and said, Hey man, were you in the Marine Corps? He's like, yeah, 12 years. He's like, you got a podcast, don't you? <laughs> and I don't know, who the guy was, you know, but, but it's, it's those kind of things, the audiences that we're touching that you, you may never know, but it's your ethical duty to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And as soon as I got your, your uh, document here, I was like, yeah, it is my ethical duty to get Jerry on the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, you joining us on it, man, the value that you've shared today uh, can't be returned. So really appreciate you coming on the, the podcast. We'll include all your contact info and uh, all your links and everything in the show notes and uh, looking forward to promoting this on, on social media. Well, I really love what you're doing, man. I mean, you got a lot of things going on and and I, I love following you and and all the successes that you have and, and are yet to, to conquer because it's really fun to watch. So I appreciate you having me. Likewise, brother. Let's get building. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of building great sales teams. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notifications as new episodes become available. Remember, great sales teams are not recruited. They are built block by block. Until next time.